What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This Haberman and Middlecoff segment is brought to you by Manscaped.com, promo code HAM, and SeatGeek, promo code HAM, NEs.com, promo code HAM, and BoxOfAwesome.com, promo code HAM. Now to the segment. Here's how significant what the Niners did was on Sunday. 46 points is the most points the Saints have ever scored in a loss. In the history of the franchise. In the history of the franchise. Okay. Made a lot of lean years. Yeah, but they've had a lot of years with Drew Brees and Sean Payton where they just go score 46 points. Yeah, right. 42 points. I mean, that's like they are used to scoring a bunch of points. They're just not used to losing when they do. If I would have told you, if I would have texted you at 930, I'd have been like, you know, the football gods just sent me a text. All they told me was the Saints are going to score 46 points today. What percent chance would you have given the Niners to win? Zero? I would have said, yeah, I would have said, well, the 34 points the Niners are going to score just ain't going to be enough. If you would have told me they were going to score 46 points, I'd have been like, well, you know, if you go 12-4, and four, maybe one of the games you get blown out 46-10 to 10 or whatever. <laughs> Here's the other thing. I would have thought, like, God, Jimmy throws a pick six? Damn, that sucks. Yeah, I would have thought it would have been pretty ugly. And it's, it's the least ugly 46-point give-up game in the history of 46-point games, right? I, I've just... I've never seen a game, maybe that Rams Chief game, but I have to go rewatch that because there were a bunch of defensive touchdowns in that game, if you remember. I think the Chiefs had two and the Rams had one. That's right. There were. So it's like, because everyone was saying, like, the offense, but people and people that were trying to justify, like, the game actually, there were just multiple defensive scores. There were no defensive scores. Now, there were a pick that led to a score, some special teams that led to scores, but for the most part, didn't it feel like it was just elite fucking offense? On both sides? Yes. Really probably more... Like, I felt like the Niners early on, definitely in the first half, had to manipulate it a little more. Just crazy ass, like, juice running the option, end arounds, pitches, double passes, where the, where the Saints were just kind of running their offense slash game planning for weaknesses. Like, they knew the safety play was going to be hit or miss, and they were sending Jared Cook just down the middle. That was a big concussion, too. Now, I guess at the end of the day, it didn't matter that much because he still scored 46 points, but he was fucking yeah. killing them. I, you know, that was a play. I'm 
I got to see it in real speed. I kind of thought it was not a catch. I didn't think he completed the process going to the ground, but maybe it was. Blandino thought it was. I didn't have a big issue with it. I also think it's a loophole that you can commit a personal foul in the end zone and prevent a touchdown. <laughs> that is kind of a loophole, right? No, I mean, there's no way to close that loophole. It's just it's it's just worth committing a personal well, foul. See, in the so end you zone. don't think like the moment you hit the ground, touch, and you're down, you're completed the catch? See, I, I think no. that's over. No, that's not the rule. Yeah, to, especially because he's airborne making the catch. So you have to survive the ground. That's but the, he might have survived the ground long enough anyway. It's, it was hard to tell in slow mo. Yeah, to me it was a touchdown. So that that's always throws me off because I think of when you already have possession, like a Drew Brees, and he lifts the ball over. All he has to do is crack the plane, then the ball can come loose because he has control. Technically, yeah. he doesn't have quote unquote control of the ball because he's in the process of catching it. Right. It was close. So it was close. Yeah, it was close, and it, it, I was fine with it being a touchdown. But it's one of those. Was a big that clearly, play. probably wasn't going to get overturned, right? They were yeah. going to go with the call yeah. on the field. That was a huge play. That was a huge play. There, there were a couple plays. That one, and then the one to use check where, you know, they were called the personal fouls, and clearly the guys aren't going for the head, right? It's just the bodies are moving at warp speed. There's not much you can do. I thought the one on Cook was a worse hit. That one was clearly like, I just got to go break this play up. Whereas Juszczyk was just like, Jimmy was trying but, to, Jimmy was looking like Montana against the Cowboys. Yeah, but there's guy, there's nothing wrong with trying to break a play up. You don't, you're not trying to hit the guy in yeah, the head. Yeah, yeah, I just, just thought that, no, but that play was to me more of a personal foul, forcible contact to the head. Whereas Juszczyk was like. You got lucky. Just got weird, yeah. So, and he popped up after that play too, kind of after a little he bit, grabbed yeah. his head <laughs> a bit. with the, both hands. The way he freaked out, you thought like CT. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It didn't look good, but yeah, it was just it. It was easily of all the high scoring games I've ever seen in my life as violent of a game, and it's one of those where you have to watch because typically it's hard to have a high scoring game like that and maintain the violence. And I thought it was a borderline body bag game. I mean, we we had Richburg, who's clear, probably lost for the year. You got Cook got knocked the fuck out. You had Juszczyk knocked the fuck out. You just Sherman every other play going down. You just had guys going down. And not just like they're kind of limping. That was a physical game. Because the Saints, as you can tell, like, I don't think most, I tweeted this during the game, I don't think most Niner fans quite understand how good the Saints are. Like, they got really sweet players at every position. Like, Latavius Murray, I think if you said to the average fan, now, I guess the average fan might play fantasy, so they're kind of keeping an eye on him. He's dramatically better than he was like three or four years ago. Like, he's a real NFL player. If he has to be your starting running back for a month stretch, you're in good shape. And then as you see, like, the guys the Niners are rolling out, Mozart is just running people over. It's just a physical. Well, Kamara. Well, they had three straight. They had three carries where it was like, here's Mostert's first carry, 15 yards. Here's Brita in the game, 19 yards. Even Kamara, I think Charles Davis said it on the broadcast, he's like, you look at him, you think he's small, but he is 215-ish pounds. That was a bit. Kamara trying to go up over somebody in the secondary on, like, the end of a 12-yard carry. I mean, Bosa went out. He was There was the brief injury report where Pam Oliver said Bosa's name freaked everybody out, and then he came back. Well, you, you texted me, and I completely agree, and I would imagine most people do. Every time they're like, let's go to Pam, like, oh, my God, who are they going to say? And you're like, please don't say Kittle, please don't say Kittle. And then they'd be like, oh, they're just checking on Marcus Davenport. You're like, oh, thank God. It, it, but even like, you just didn't know who they were going to say. Because at any moment, they could be like, it looks like Michael Thomas has lost a hand. You know, it was, it was that type of game. It looks like well, Nick Bosa has broken his leg. Oh, 
didn't Richburg look like Kittle for a minute when they were using the little spider camera? No, see, I, I thought it was not Kittle, but either Charles Davis or Kevin Burkhart drops a, wow, is that Kittle? Oh, okay, no. I was like, you can't That's do that. I, yeah, you I, can't say I that. I said it, watch it. <laughs> you can't say, is that Kittle? And every, everyone's heart drops in their fucking We go to commercial chest. break. We'll let you know when we come back. <laughs> yeah. What a tease there. I think one thing is clear, John. One of the best acquisitions, free agent or otherwise, this season was Emmanuel Sanders for any team, right? Like, he was – he is their number one receiver. Now, I know they're talking about – I heard him say a couple times, Debo Samuel playing like a number one. But to me, Emmanuel's the number one – I mean, outside of Kittle. Emmanuel Sanders has been – Did you uh, did you tweet mid-game it was like a baseball trade that just worked? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's – you agree you don't see that very much in football. No, he's that's like when the Brewers got CC Sabathia. <laughs> yeah. Cuz what would they be without him? I mean they'd still be okay cuz actually Kendrick Bourne kind of growing on me and I I don't know where I thought he was from. I I must have assumed like Iowa State or something random like that. But when he said Eastern didn't you call an Eastern Washington game? Did you call a Kendrick Bourne yeah, game? Yeah, no, he was gone by then, but he was on the really good Eastern Washington teams with Cooper Cup. God, they had to be really freaking good. Who was covering they those were. two guys? Nobody. <laughs> what a what a wide receiving FBS. Is it FCS or FBS? FCS. Can you imagine like, yeah, we just got Kendrick Bourne and Cooper Cup. Good luck. Jesus Christ. Because after the one game against Seattle where it's like, God, they're dependent on this guy Kendrick Bourne too much. I think the more you watch him, you go, well, he's physical as shit. You know, good teams usually get a guy like him to kind of develop into – yeah, you don't want him to be like your one, but if he's just like your, you know, your three-ish guy, he's physical. He can make plays in traffic. He's a big body. He he ain't scared. Like that was a game where th- there was no place today for anyone that was going to shrivel. And that would be my one takeaway. If I obviously if I'm Kyle because I won, but even if I'm Sean Payton, now maybe they know this. I mean they've been in bigger games before the Niners, but I I don't think you leave that game and think anyone flinched. Any side, any player. No, <laughs> you know. Had you had you reached the conclusion that was a like? that was a war zone game today? I felt like, which is weird well, to did, say because it's usually low scoring games. But Jesus, were you gonna feel like if you know once the Saints scored and took the lead and we both texted each other? I was like, I wouldn't have scored so fast, and you texted me three timeouts left. Um, but would you have walked out of that feeling I, like if Sean Payton could do it over, he would have told him to probably hit the ground at the one, right? Yeah. Would you, but would you have walked out of there feeling okay about the Niners if they had lost that game like that? Well, it would have been a probably a double-edged sword there because on one side, you'd be like, listen, they've had back-to-back weeks against two teams that are fucking unreal, and it's like they got into the, to the ring with Mike Tyson and were unfazed by getting hit and they were throwing blows back. And the counter would have been like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool to say. That shit plays in Twitter and, you know, plays, you know doesn't play in the NFL it's as all the coaches will tell you this is just bottom line you either win or you lose and when you're in these tight games it would have really stung like that to me had a Harbaugh type feel to it now Harbaugh's games look different than that but part of what made Harbaugh immediate legend is like year one he was in these games again his game the equivalent of that game for Harbaugh would have been like the final score would have been like 19 to 17 but it just when all the dust settled when all the crazy shit happened and the clocks hit double zero. His team typically had more points than the other team. And then they just kept stacking that up over a three-year run. And if you think about, like, 
we'll talk about the Patriots. What's, what's weird watching the Patriots is usually when all the dust settles, crazy shit happen, calls going against them, injuries, touchdowns, you just have more points. You just find a fucking way to win. It's a bottom line business. You either win or you lose. And today, like, that's what makes Kyle Shanahan... You know, I think he's going to be viewed when this season ends as one of the best coaches in the league because he's winning these games. Well, so a couple or, things. Or one, at least one this game. He's been in three, right, just war zone games. But to me, you win one. You're in them. You win. Like, I, I'm watching. I don't feel any different about the Niners now than I did with 50 seconds left in that game when they were trailing in terms of what I think they can do. But it does matter in terms of you watch the game going and you don't want to go back there. Like, the one seed is going to matter. Home field's going to matter. Um but, like, to your point on Kyle, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about these Coach of the Year awards and it's like, how, on paper, how do you justify it? Right? Like, how do I, like, how many games did you win last year? How good is your team this year? Who else out there has dealt with adversity? But I just know when I watch him, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. So he's a, co- he, he is a Coach of the Year candidate. Yeah, but Pete's do, they're doing more with less than Seattle. Yeah, I think he's a better, he's one of the best coaches. Like, he just is. So whatever that means, it means he's one of the best coaches in the league. He could be the coach to me. He could be the coach of the year in the NFL. Why not? Well, I, 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 watch I, I think I what go, makes you feel good toe to toe with Sean Payton. Well, I think what makes you feel good today is you go, why in like 15 years couldn't he be viewed as like Sean Payton? Like he has that type in him. Like you're going to lose some of those games, you're going to win some of them, but yeah. clearly he has a chance to be a special, special elite coach. With one, he's really aggressive. Two. One thing I look for, and you, you tweet a Sean, one thing that's key with a coach, I think, and if you think about the best coaches in the league, obviously Bill is the ultimate flatliner. How often do you see Andy Reid freak out? Even Peyton, he whines a lot, but like he's more whining at a call on special teams. He doesn't get caught up like if it's in the flow of his play calling. Like He doesn't let it throw him off. That was one kind of knock on Harbaugh. Sometimes his emotions would be like, Jim, we're three plays later. Like You kind of got to... And you, it used to be kind right. of a knock on Pat Hill. Like, he just loses emotion. You, you, the players feel it on the sideline. That's a Fresno State, you know, probably mid-2000s reference. But, like, Kyle's pretty even-keel guy. You know, Andy, even-keel guy. Even Sean Payton can can flip it right back really fast and just get back to even-keel. And I would say, I would imagine many Saints players say this, our most even-keel human is Drew, which kind of balances even him crazy out a little bit. Where, where, where I think Jimmy... Jimmy's a little more up and, or I mean, Jimmy, actually they're both pretty even keel, but you know, Pete, like that's, that's a huge advantage. I, you know, I'm, I'm, everyone's kind of shitting on Sean McVay and this game's about to get going now, but he's, that's a huge attribute he has. Right. Right. So to me having that and then being just a brilliant play caller and yeah, just, he's fucking an elite play caller. There's just no way around it. Like to, you what could you argue today. Was- I thought today, like. He got the better of Sean. And last week, there were some moments that kind of... In his two losses, Kyle had some moments that cost them the game, right? In the Seattle game, I understood why he did it. He's playing for the win. But having a tie right now, I would not have played for the tie. But I did understand the argument. Having a tie right now is better than the loss. And the way he played it at the end of that overtime, fucked him. Last week, takes the timeouts with him to the end of the half. Just did some weird shit. Today... Kyle didn't do any weird shit. Kyle was on point, and really, I thought Sean Payton was the guy that has the blemishes on today. That's part of being a coach. Part of being in these yeah. games, sometimes your decisions don't work. But it was it was Sean Payton today that got the red flags, not Kyle. 
maybe it's results based. But you and I, I think everybody, after the Saints' second touchdown, they go for two because they had the half the distance. It was after the Jared Cook touchdown. They took half the distance and went for two to try and make it fifteen. So you to just seven. you just go from the two to the one, right? Where they place the ball. That's all that happens. Which to me is fine if you're going to sneak it. Like if you're going to sneak it there, okay. But if you're going to run the play they ran, I I, I don't. I know you're trying to outsmart them because everyone thinks you're going to sneak it. So because of that, they had to go for two at the end of the game. And instead of going up by three, they don't get it. They're up by one. A field goal beats them. Now, the counter to that would be, well, if they had gotten that first two-pointer, uh, then they couldn't have got, If they had gotten that first two-pointer, then an extra point would have given them a four-point lead at the end of the game, and a field goal wouldn't have tied them. But I just don't. That's but that's one, not right? what he was like, thinking about. He was strictly no. thinking about my, my issue with that call is he was going to kick a field goal, and then they get extra one point. yard, so he kicks, or excuse me, the extra point. So then he puts on, to me, if you were going to run the two-pointer for whatever reason there, and they just moved it up a yard, nothing really would have changed. And I, I can understand running the east-to-west play. But when you just get moved up a yard, so you're like, oh, screw it, let's go for two. And then you run a play where he's basically running to the pylon. I was like, well, I mean, this is one of the all-time great play callers, but that was a bad move. But And we... The move. We saw when, when they had to do a sneak later how easy it was for him. Well, beside Tom Brady, isn't he the greatest sneaker of all time with that with that little ball thing? He's been doing mm-hmm. it for fucking his whole career. He, it's, what, it's what makes, like, Tom just dives over because he's 6'6". Drew's six feet tall. So his his release with the ball is like a kind of a signature move for Drew Brees. But to me, the punt guy in the second half, when I think they're down two points... At midfield, the 49ers offense had stalled like back-to-back drives. Clearly, the Saints were kind of feeling themselves. The crowd was into it. That, to me, was... Like, I I get the two-pointer. You know, it's like he ain't the first coach to do the early two-pointers. It's much more in vogue now. It's really not that crazy. It's easier, like you said, right, to nitpick because we're results-oriented at the end of the game. But that going for two on the... or I mean, going for the punt, what the fuck were you doing that for? And, and then when it comes down to you basically just have the one guy running a go route, which he's getting blocked. I, I, I hated that call. And it clearly was a disaster for them. Yeah. And I hate the, the you're saying you hate the call to go for it and you hate the play call itself. If, to, if there to is me, no I just, I just, pass just interference, kick the, kick the punt. I can, if I could face guard you all the way down the field, basically, cause I'm blocking you because it's allowed. What's the point? Well, because is it wasn't your first reaction was play. like, oh, that is PI. And then you realize, what's well, a fucking punt? They're allowed well, to shove them out of ever, bounds the whole time. You don't really see much. I would say you don't see it. You've charted special teams in the NFL. You don't see a lot of separation from those gunners in those. Well, guy, players. you're literally allowed to grab them and shove them out of bounds. You notice how that's there's no penalties on that? Like the the gunner usually gets thrown out of bounds and works his way back in. It's just part of the play. So when you rewatch it from yeah, he's it's a punt. That guy's just making normal... He's doing exactly what he's coached to do. Grab that guy and fucking shove him out of bounds. Sean Payton's freaking out like, bro, that wasn't third and 18. That's a punt. That guy... And then everyone's like, he's face guarding him. Yeah, because he thinks the fucking ball's punted. Like, what do you mean he's face guarding? He's told to shove that guy into the ground. Honestly, that guy, to me, should get like the game ball. I wonder if he turned around, if he even realized it was a pass coming towards his head. or How would he have, though? You you wouldn't even be... (laughs) Because you're so far down the field, it wouldn't even make like, sense to him. You could argue if he knows the ball's in the air, he might try to get out of the way. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to touch this. It's like, no, dude, that's a pass. It's pretty. I don't know what he can hear, 
Who's side? Was that the Saints sideline he was running down? Uh, or the Niners sideline? I think it was the Niners, but... People are probably yelling pass, 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 or fake, 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 fake. But still, I don't know. You feel like you must You're be, way down the island. field. What do you think I of their use? Your, what do you think of their use of that guy, Taysom Hill? Feels like they get a li- like he kicks ass. I'm, I'm a fan of him, but there were a couple times where it's like well, you're going to take him off the field for Drew. Yeah, I've watched him a few times. I mean, I've watched the Saints a lot. I I feel like I see Taysom Hill just make a ton of plays. Well, like, I never big time because I my thought honestly when he came in the game earlier was like God, they do such a good job. Why do I feel like I'm not watching a team that's fucking with its quarterback when they do this? When most teams feel like they're messing with their quarterback when they well, do. Well, was it was it like uh, the first drive of the game or was it the second drive of the game? When they put Jimmy Garoppolo at wide receiver and go wildcat with Richie James, like, yeah. guys, y- 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 let's, let's, Richie James is reading the edge. Yeah, let's uh, this this ain't Taysom Hill. I, I get you're jealous of this BYU 34 year old over here that's trucking guys on gut runs. That's the about, other thing. They were didn't they run him on like an ISO play at one point in time? And he trucked uh, Greenlaw. I was like, God damn, Taysom Hill is not fucking around. How about Charles Davis? The second the Niners ran that use check pitch play, going like the Saints ran this play two years ago. I wonder if he knew it was coming, or if he maybe he'd done the game previously. the The part I loved about that play was they have this guy going in motion, running like a hat. Was it Emmanuel Sanders? Who was that running? The old arena football, John. You call that uh, deep motion where you're running around behind the play, kind of like a forward. like a rainbow. Yeah, so I was like, this play is awesome. That play, and is then sweet. it goes to. They had a bunch of uh, the the Emmanuel Sanders touchdown throw to Mostert. First of all, the play looked dead in the water. Turns out Emmanuel's got a pretty good arm. Then he throws off his back foot. Then Mostert has to kind of turn around and backpedal and make the play. Where would you, where would you rank Raheem Mostert best third best third running back you've ever seen? Like he got he's, he's a third, third running string back? running back. Is he? I mean, I, I didn't. See, I don't feel like I saw Tevin Coleman until the second half. Yeah, I mean, on paper, he's the third stringer. When the season started, legit third stringer. That's as good as of a third stringer as you'll ever find. If you're telling me that so. guy can't start on like 10 teams, you're crazy. Because he can. Because that's the one thing. He doesn't just run it. He can catch the fucking ball. And then he runs people over. That, that was one of those plays where, on the double pass, where you thought, oh my God, he's too open. When he was going to catch it, like he's going to drop this. It's just too, it's one of those just bread basket catch it and just go down and make sure you get the 40 yards. But then he turns up, he gets upfield. Game was just, you know, you just don't get those very often. I mean, we, I, I feel like we've had two in the last three years Rams, Chiefs, and that. I <laughs> mean, Rams, Chiefs was a little different, but still, it, you felt like, God damn, I'm watching something pretty historic right now. How about Niners, Saints, like, uh, Shanahan's first year. I mean, sorry, Niners Rams. Yeah, but that was Hoyer. That'd be the one thing I'd say. How about Mullins versus the Raiders? Like, how, how would you compare this game to what the Monday Night Football game was three or four weeks ago when they played Seattle? This better game? Uh, I. Yeah, I mean that that, too, that, that Seahawks game was great, and to me that game almost felt just like like a more it, as crazy as this sounds a more normal NFL game. I just don't know how many teams like can the Seahawks play in the game the Niners just played with the Saints. I texted you that after the game. Can the Seahawks play a game as well as the Saints just played offensively? Uh, no, they're not that explosive. That's you know they're just not. I mean they're just it's not really their deal. You know so. That's where I think that first the Niners 
Seahawks game is a little more typical. Well, because they they, they just have more weapons. Like Cook gets a concussion, but he had two touchdowns. You got Taysom Hill who can score touchdowns. You got Michael Thomas, who's one of the most dominant players in the league right now. You got fucking Alvin Kamara, who, you know, my buddies in the NFL will say, you know, probably it's him or McCaffrey for the most dynamic running backs in the league, not named Saquon. You have Ted Ginn, say what you want about him. He still runs like a 4-1. They, they got that little fucking returner from a school. I, I've never heard of it, guy. And I thought Charles Davis had a good point. Sheet, uh, Sheetrock, whatever the school was called, he's like, how did anyone tackle this guy at Sheetrock University? And Kevin's like, I can't imagine many did. But do you think it's a is it, is it a big construction school? Sheetrock. <laughs> well, I just I just don't know. I don't even know what to call it. You know, I don't. Well, I looked it up. He's he one year he had eight return touchdowns, and for his career he had fourteen. What well, was it like Division three? It's a D two school. Because uh, to me, I don't remember to the, me, I didn't you really look at the name of it. You assumption college. Yeah, you Sorry, you I wa- heard that name you watch him and you go. This guy is hauling ass for NFL. Like, you know, you just put him on an NFL field. He's clearly the fastest guy on it. In Division Two, guy? I mean, guy, Division Two has a lot of people that look like me and you. How, How could anyone happen? have touched this guy? How did it not one point someone get wind? Someone be like, bro, you want to transfer to, I, I don't know, like Nevada? You know, Fresno or UCF or one of those schools? It's pretty crazy. I, this guy lasted at Assumption for multiple years. I thought maybe it was a JC guy. I'm gonna have to ask about him. I'm fascinated by his story. I because he, he's thought, a difference um, maker. I thought early in the game the Niners just couldn't. You can't keep kicking to him, but they did a really good job of covering him. Well, what do you do then? You pooch kick it, like yeah, kick it right down the middle of the, or punt. I mean, punt out of bounds. Just like don't even yeah, punt, punt it, it out of bounds. They kept punting sure. to him. They kept kicking it to him, and they did a really. Their coverage units were really well. Like, do you, really you good. notice the Niners took the opposite approach? Like, you are you just going to stand at the five yard line and let this thing fly over your head? Because he catches it like inside the five, and then he runs it out. Like Richie, what are you doing? You move back. Well, at least catch it and then down it. I I, I don't like that approach, but I'm not going to nitpick the special teams after a win. But still, like, did you notice that the, the game, he just stood there like the two yard line, let it fly right over his head. That was that's uh, not the Saints' approach. Luckily, I got another. Luckily, the Niners though, as the game went on, and to me, this speaks of like your team depth because their guys covering kicks, and I think because Mozart plays so much on offense, he's not doing it as much anymore. And now Marcel Harris is playing on defense. Like the, a couple of their core special teamers have now kind of been replaced because they're just starting on offense. Basically, that speaks to, like you have backup backups that are making plays, which is. A, Against that guy, you know, some of those open field tackles, clearly not easy. Right. Impressive. The other thing I, I thought, you know, early in the year, there was a lot of talk of, you know, is DK Metcalf the best, or as I heard someone call him last week, Decaf Metcalf, the best second-round receiver. I think clearly whatever happens with him in his career, Debo Samuel is just a great fit for the 49ers. Remember we saw Debo in camp, like rookie minicamp, was like, look at the – just look at the ass on that guy. Look at the leg. Like he's just—he's a physical player. He does not play like a rookie, first of all. And they clearly—Kyle had an idea. Like you just look at him and go, Kyle knew what he was going to do with him when he drafted him. Football? Right? What would you say? Football in like uh, the only place in America where you can talk about someone's ass being big and it's a compliment. Probably like a rebounder, basketball maybe. Yeah. So probably just sports in general is the one place where it's like it, it's open season on just big asses being a good thing. Men's sports, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a fucking beast. Because, do you know what the Niners desperately need? And they've got it with Emmanuel Sanders a little bit, too. 
but Debo's taking it to another level, is a guy to go across the middle and, and make big plays. Because is Dante Pettis on this team next year? You know, probably not. Now, you could argue, like, well, no one's trading for him, and you probably aren't going to cut him. Though, you'd say if anyone's going to cut him, it'd be a guy with the juice of Kyle now that'd just be like, yeah, we fucked up, move on. Because that's a little Belichickian, right? I'm not anti-cutting him. If you don't want him around anymore, I'm all for sunk, you know, don't hold on to a sunk cost because he's, Kendrick Bourne's in a different world than him. Debo's in a different world than him. Now, Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. And this is where it gets tough. Like, we'll see how the season plays out because clearly Debo is going to be a part of this team for a while. I'd say Kendrick Bourne clearly is too. John, I do you I overpay Emmanuel Sanders? I think they're going to resign him. When I, like, you go back and I, I tweeted it today, like, Everyone remembers it. When Kyle, Kyle's been trying to get wanting Emmanuel Sanders for eight years. What was that thing so, you tweeted? Well, just it was the quote when they traded for him. Like, I've been trying to get this guy for eight years. Yeah. So they've got him. Like, what's the alternative? Draft another receiver? Sign somebody else's receiver? Well, I, as good as him? I, I do think that on a guy like that that's over 30, that has some miles. If you're just doing the Belichickian, you'd be like, well, listen, we want to keep this guy, but here our number is two for 15. And if yeah. you know the way this league works, what if the Colts go, well, we'll give you a three for 30? Well, that's So to me, though, you're going to have to spend – you're either spending money on another receiver that's not him that's maybe a little younger. But I think we're just seeing now they are so well balanced on offense because he played – with this offense, he's a number one receiver, right? With this offense, he is. With Kyle Shanahan, with Jimmy Garoppolo – he may not be a number one receiver for the Denver Broncos with Drew Locke, but he's a number it's one unique, receiver. It's unique, though, because your number one receiver is really your tight end. Right. You know? But I just mean but they, I, I they've you. got a you. balance of yeah. him. They just they kind of hit I, I think one thing on that's clear with now. Kyle, you don't necessarily need Julio as long as you got a sweet tight end and a couple functioning wide receivers and the run game's always going to work, right? You don't need to be like the Texans who just throw it to Hopkins all the time. You actually spread it out. Because the one thing when Jimmy drops back, you don't really know where he's going to throw it, right? Like, when when, when I'm watching Mahomie, that's a great nickname. When, whenever you see Mahomie drop back, it's like, this ball more than likely is going to number 10 or 87. And then you're did like, State oh, Farm it's create What? Sorry, I was interrupting you to say, did State Farm invent that nickname? Or was it around before? I think, I mean, his, I think it was it probably just the writer that was writing the deal, like Rodgers and Mahomie. Do you think any of his friends ever called him Mahomie? Maybe, but I, I feel like the first time I ever heard it was State Farm. It commercial. was same. Yeah. So that's just what I call him now, Mahomie. And yeah, and I, you just feel like you know where he's going to throw it to one of those two guys. When Jimmy, like, oh, he's throwing it to Kendrick Bourne. Oh, he's throwing it to this guy. Oh, he's throwing it to the running back. They part of just beside Kittle, they're just when you don't have a true like Jerry Rice, Julio, you don't really know where it's going. Kind of works to your benefit, you know, because every time like Drew Brees dropped back, it's like guys cover fucking Michael Thomas. Richard, I love you, but stop playing so far off this guy. They're throwing it to Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas runs like a 4-6. He is not, he does not run go routes. He just runs little curls, goes across the middle. Michael Thomas plays a lot like George Kittle. Just goes across the middle, makes crazy catches, breaks tackles. Like, you watch Michael Thomas, it's easy to say now, like, I can't believe he fell the second round. Well, part of the reason he fell the second round is because he's not Mr. Like, he's hanging his hat on doing shit that's hard to quantify. He can break tackles. He just fucking is fearless. He runs like three routes over the middle. Like his all of his routes, guy, are over the middle. You know, and that's the I think one thing that's nice about Debo is 
He'll run over the middle all day long. Actually, Emmanuel will too. He had a couple. It was like, yeah. damn, this guy's well, crazy. First, the first couple drives, it was. Didn't he have like three catches for 100 yards in like the first three drives? It felt, yeah, he might have. It felt that way. And a touchdown throw. Who got the? Who do you think got the game ball? Uh, Jed. I mean, yeah, Jimmy. Before we get to Jimmy, though, can we talk about Kittle's the play that they were going to show at Kittle's Hall of Fame induction? What was it fourth and five? Uh, was it? Four? I thought it was like fourth, fourth and, and two. Three. Yeah, fourth and two. Did you have faith? He carried the first guy jumped on him. Just going into that play, did you? Were you like, is this thing going to be extended? Because the two plays before felt a little bit like, ah, oh, this is getting a little dicey. Yeah, after the third down play, two Kittle, two Kittle didn't feel great. Not but, not really that close when you saw the back angle. You're like, whoa. <laughs> but I, to me, you know, you know what? For me, Niners plays, I kind of feel like I know what's going to happen in the first second. Like, is the pocket hold? Is someone breaking through the line or not? Because if it's not, I, Jimmy's going to make a play. Sometimes Jimmy makes plays when it does break down. But obviously, but to me, those like that play, I remember feeling like in the first half second, the line was holding up. Okay, there's a play to be made here because it does feel like if he gets a se- two seconds. He's throwing it to the – he can make a pretty accurate throw. Is there any player in recent memory that on a fourth and five, whatever the yardage is, if he runs an out route or an in route that is two or three yards below the line where he has to go yeah. and he catches it, that you feel more confident that, that that guy will will his way, whether it's running away from a guy, breaking a tackle – Carrying a guy, lifting him up, doing whatever it takes to get that line of scrimmage. Because you know when to turn that corner. When often yeah. with wide receivers, like how does he not run the, the the route to the sticks? It happened last week. Remember with Emmanuel Sanders against the Ravens? Because we I remember watching at the bar and he comes up short. It's like Emmanuel, I don't care if it's a third and fourth. If it's or I mean if it's a four yard route, if it's third and five, just make that six yards or five and a half or whatever you got to do. Kittle, it doesn't necessarily matter matter because. He will do that. Now, that today was the highest level. I mean, he carried three guys for like six Did yards. Did you, at any point, were you thinking go out of bounds? Uh, no. Just keep running. Yeah, I, I had no problem with... Uh, I, I thought go out of bounds because I thought he was about to get pulled down, but he didn't, you know, he carried those guys for 20, 20 yards. Yeah. 20 plus the face. I, I would have thought that if they had no timeouts, but they did have the timeout. And then once the flag comes out, for a split second, I thought, well, can they give that an offensive uh, face mask? But then you could tell, has there been a more egregious face mask where the player is less phased by it? Because <laughs> usually the guy throws up his arm. Like, are you going to fucking throw the flag? This guy was on a, I, I think for a split second, Kittle thought he could drag all these guys to the end zone. I think, he, I think <laughs> you're right. Is there, a, is there a player in recent memory that got went from like this guy's pretty cool, and it felt like everyone like Twitter and social media just around like NFL sports fans were like that's Kittle guy, to just being universally. If you just ask like a Patriot fan or a Saints fan or a Seattle fan or a Houston Texans fan, George Kittle, like the first response from all would be like that guy's a monster, right? He went from that. He went from just solid to monster pretty fast. Yeah, I don't want to say he's Gronk's level. But I think like he's created this substance level like new Gronk that has a lot of like substance behind it where you're like is this guy the next Gronk and people don't be like that's blasphemy you can't say well, that. Well, you know what nobody says anymore is like well there's Kelsey too. 
Kel- but uh, here's the I, I do because I saw the Chiefs tweeted something like best tight end in the league after a Kelsey touchdown, and a bunch of Niner people on my timeline were like, "You can't do this after Kel- after uh, he just you know Kittle had just like ten minutes ago had just made that play." It's like guys, I, I watch a lot of Chiefs football. That motherfucker's pretty good too. Well, I know. You know, like he's. I'm just saying. I feel like last year people felt like they had to include Kelsey when they said anything about Kittle, and now I don't. I think you just say I think Kittle's the best in the league, and no one says anything. That's what Tony Gonzalez said today. Yeah, he said that today. Howie Long said I think he's the best in the league, and Tony goes, "It's because of what a good blocker he is." Yeah, he. Uh, but I, here's where what I think though, like part of being a good blocker, and he's an elite blocker. Despite I think Gottlieb might have mixed him up with a different player. He's an oh, awesome okay. blocker, Hunter Henry. I think what makes him this all-time special player. Only Gronk in my lifetime. Like, to me, Tony Gonzalez with the ball in his hands turned into, like, a sweet skill guy. Remember how just how fluid he was, how great of an athlete yeah. he was, his routes. When you watch Gronk, and now when you watch Kittle, it's like, they're fucking Shaquille O'Neal. Like, you're in my way. I don't... I, I'm I'm gonna destroy everybody. It, it's physically... It's like watching a great defensive lineman, right? It's like, Jesus, can you block J.J. Watt? Can you block Khalil Mack? How do you tackle George Kittle? Chase or how do you Young. tackle... Yeah, it's like, how do you stop this human being? He's unstoppable. I, I think that's what makes him a Pro Bowl-level guy to, like, an all-time great. Is that, that, that like you said, when, when he goes in the Hall of Fame... If, now, he's a long way from that. you got to sustain this for six or seven years. But... Like, that's the type play where just dragging three guys against the best team in the league on the road with the number one seed in the balance, right? Trying to lead a comeback. Yeah, just with, with – you got to add a couple things to also to the bottom line. Chipped ankles, you know, uh, fucked up knee. You kept texting me. I don't even notice because he kind of just limps around now. Like, did you think he was 100% in this game? There was one play where the, you caught – after the play, you could see him, like, kind of grabbing his chest and kind of – I don't know, it was weird. No, he's not. And the other factor there with that play is like, Rob, we, we, and Kevin Burkhart was saying it. I, that, that crew is really, we've seen a lot of Burkhart and Charles Davis. That crew is, might be the, like, as good as it gets, I think. But, um, they had I'm, the I'm a big Burkhart guy. You know, Charles, nice guy. You know, he's not my favorite analyst, but it's like, really? I'm not, I, I like him personally. So I think they do a great, I think to get Kevin's elite. Kevin's elite. I think they're just a great pair. Was, was, I think wasn't, parents, wasn't Kevin Lynch's guy before John left? Yeah, yeah. I think part of what makes them good is that they're together. Like, I think they're just a great combo. Yeah. Anyway, but part of this was Robbie Gold can't isn't making a 55-yarder, right? More, that was the yeah. other part of that play. No. And then obviously... And then obviously the face mask well, and all that. But part of that play was they could they didn't just need to get down the field. They needed to get pretty far down the field. Well, I, I think one reason that you leave that game, and we'll dive into Jimmy and Brees here in a second, but when you watch like the Saints, like I listed, just elite players, right? We didn't even hear that much of Cam Jordan. But they got Lattimore. They got, you know, Cam Jordan. Even Davenport is kind of a much better player than, you know, I think he was a couple years ago when they drafted him one overall. And then all the offensive guys, like, they have a bunch of elite guys. Like, on any given year, the Saints could have 8 to 10 Pro Bowlers. But a couple of them are just huge. Imp- like, Michael Thomas is an All-Pro. Cam Jordan is an All-Pro. Well, you leave that game going, you got to have a couple All-Pros to match them. Well, they got Kittle, who's a lock All-Pro. And then they got Nick fucking Bosa, who 
was dominant guy. I thought start to finish b- before the split second mid game when they're like Bosa's on the sideline with the I was like questionable. Don't say broken leg or ACL. And then the and then it was the easiest transition because the next play's back on the field. So you're like, oh, he is an elite player, guy. An elite player. He is. I I never thought like I I was I again I thought his floor was gonna be super high. I thought he would be a good player. I thought number two overall was strong. Clearly, I was fucking way off because he is. You can't ask anything more from a high first round pick year one, can you? Like he has been. He's ex, He's flown by expectations. And the expectations were pretty freaking high. His partner in crime, from a defensive end standpoint, like clearly D4, they're not going to get that. He's going to end up the year probably seven sacks, 100 total snaps. Like, was it really worth a second-round pick? You know, probably thinking, God, we could have got a lot cheaper. But that's – it is what it is. It depends. Is he healthy enough to play in the NFC Championship? Right? Is he – does he well, – he's going to have to be a moment guy. Like, he's just going to have to have a couple well, moments. He just sat out go, three you know weeks what? and he hurt the hamstring again. How's the hamstring ever going to get right? But 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 again, like this is. Do you know what we don't really talk about right now? D Ford. Why? Because ninety-seven makes every goddamn play. And I'm not just talking about sacks. How about the one play late in the game when he kind of breaks off because he realized going in the flat to Kamara or Latavius, and he puts up his hand. It was like his instincts as a football player are elite. I mean, the guy's just he has a John. he has an innate feel for playing football. I think one of the greatest qualities, and I think we can say this now, of a Kyle Shanahan football team. Is that when their when their starters get hurt, which, which happens a lot, which happens a ton, <laughs> a ton. Quan Alexander, D Ford, Kwaski Tart. Now I'm, again, I mean, you're not this. You just can't keep doing this. You're this D, but, D Ford. But Kyle, I mean, these guys go down. Kyle Shanahan's football teams, and I'm gonna go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I know they didn't win anything last year, but. I would just we watched them with Nick Mullins and went. I hope everyone's recognizing what's happening here in terms of the level of offense that they were able to play, given the issues they had. Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, their starting center. I mean, safe to say he's done for the year. God, that looked bad. Yeah. But Kyle Shanahan's football teams keep playing high level football when their starters get hurt. It's just Kyle Juszczyk. It's crazy. It really is. I think one of the signature qualities of, of this of his of his football team. Yeah, the, the level of effort is in, incredible. Would you say probably the play more than any in football besides like a decleter? And really, that those don't happen as much anymore. That when a player and it happens a lot to offensive linemen get bent back like Richburg goes. It's the one play where every one watching football goes. I can't even fathom how much pain that guy felt right oh. there. When he's getting bent and there's nothing he can do and there's no way to stop it and he keeps getting bent down. And, you and he's just, 300 pounds. You just probably imagine the ligaments all tearing. It's just like, oh my God, that's got to hurt. Yeah. It just gives me the... My, my first ever game working for the Eagles, do you remember, was it Bryant Young a long, long time ago on Monday Night Football when he got his leg shattered? Remember on yeah. Monday Night Football? Yeah, but it was it turned out to be I think a clean break and he ended up coming back and they just put like the titanium rod in there. Same type deal happened with Leonard Weaver who was a fullback in Philly. My the first ever game against the the Packers. The problem was it was a little higher than the clean break. It was close to the knee, so all the t- his career ended. Like every tendon shattered. It was just it was over. Never played another snap guy again. And I always think about that just when you watch it, like the level of violence today. 
the 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 measure of the, the difference of inches or just a, a half step of just career could end on any snap and the level of these guys are playing how fast these guys are running I'm even talking like if Drew Brees just pivots the wrong way into DeForest Buckner or like I I don't think we grasp it when we're watching because just the angle of an NFL camera they all kind of look the same how enormous these humans are and how fast they're moving and for them to just avoid the amount of serious injuries they do. And just, like, even the play early on in the game, Richard Sherman goes for a tackle, and it looked like Kamara or Latavius, whoever had the ball, run in full speed and hit him in the in the bicep. And you're like, well, that could either just be the worst Charlie horse he's ever gotten in a shitload of pain, or every bicep muscle could have ripped right there. And it's like, comes out tomorrow, he tore his pack, he's out, or whatever that muscle is. And then he comes back, and he's okay. You know, the difference, but at that split second for when he feels that pain throughout his arm, he has to just cross his mind, like, did my season just end? As he right. is just in an enormous amount of pain. But how often on basically every other snap that just happens to an NFL football player? I know. You could feel the well, violence. The, well, every play has a tackle on it. And around every tackle usually is a bunch of people's legs, knees, and ankles. It's wild. Every single one of those plays is dangerous. You're right. Every play is a t- Well, in theory, every play is a tackle. Yeah, you know. Some guys go out, yeah. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 